You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome back to the Little Me Podcast. This is our 20th episode, and I couldn't be more excited about my guest today. She is someone that I first saw on stage in 1993 when she starred as the title role in the off-Broadway production of the Annie sequel, Annie Warbucks. Her TV credits include playing Lisa Leeper on Full House, Molly on Bringing Up Jack, Nettie on The Jeff Foxworthy Show, as well as Sisters, The Story of Santa Claus, and Disney's Toothless. Her other theatrical appearances include playing Tina in Ruthless, opposite Bernadette Peters. She is now an incredible illustrator and textile designer who owns the Kate Zaremba Company. Welcome, Catherine Zaremba. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I am literally so excited to meet you. I sat at the Variety Arts Theater when I was 13 and saw you brilliantly play Annie in Annie Warbucks. And it was like such a thrill and I never forgot it. And here we are. Here we are. You're so sweet. I I can't believe that you saw the show. (laughs) I know. It's like a kind of weird story how I got there, but um, so we'll get to that in a minute. So you're from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, same as Miss Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. So there's something in the water that makes super talented people there. There must be. We had the same drama teacher in high school. (laughs) I love it. So how does a girl from Broken Arrow become one of the biggest child stars of the 90s, which you kind of really were? I mean, you're so funny. (laughs) So tell me how it got started for you. I think in, in the theater world, yes, um, you know it, the Annie Warbucks time and all of that was a was a big deal. But I would I wouldn't go as far as total star. All right, um, <laughs> you have Jonathan Taylor Thomas and then you like it's right <laughs> under. Okay. Um, oh man, my my story of how I got into things is kind of is is a sort of strange. Um, I was doing community theater in Oklahoma. And honestly, I only got involved because my older sister was doing it and it was like easier for my family to just shuffle us into the same after school, (laughs) after school activities. Um, But as it turned out, I had kind of this huge voice uh, for a tiny little kid. And we ended up sort of continuing on the Annie circuit in community theater. And we were doing a production in Oklahoma City where we had some family and on opening night, the dog trainer, Bill Berloni, Bill Berloni, yes, the one and only, the one and only, came to see the dog that he had placed in the show. And at the opening night party afterwards, he approached my mom and he was like, "Listen, I really don't get involved with the actors or the kids. Like, I stick to the dogs. <laughs> I, I've been a part of, you know, the Annie." family since the very beginning and Catherine is honestly just what they're looking for they're doing the tour of this new show that they're hoping to take to Broadway which is the sequel to Annie now you were playing Molly at the time I was and I was I mean I was like eight really (laughs) tiny um even small for eight Mm -hmm. and we didn't really have any aspirations to be show business kids. My sister was also in the show. Um, but it just, the timing of it worked out. And my mom just asked me like an adult, she was like, would you want to do this? It would mean we'd be away from home for 
four or five months, we'd be traveling around. And I just loved performing so much. I was actually very shy as a kid. And being on stage allowed me to come out of my shell. So for me, it was this amazing place where I could be myself, really. I was too scared to be myself in the real world, but on stage, I could, I could shine, you know? So, um, so yeah, I ended up, I went down to Houston to an audition sort of cattle call thing they were doing because Bill set it up. I didn't have an agent or anything and was the last girl standing (laughs) at the end. (laughs) And they were sort of like, you know, we love you. You're hired. We just don't know which orphan we want you to be. It was, it was like Martin Chardon, Tom Meehan, Charles Strauss. They were all there. And yeah, the rest is history. I did the tour and so up. we're going to talk about the history. So you got cast as Duffy in the tour, the pre-Broadway tour of Annie. I did. Um, and the girl was playing Annie was Lauren Gaffney. Is that right? Yeah. And um, I know, right? And so it, it, this, it kind of goes this way with various Annies. I don't know if you are as familiar as I am with the Annie legacy, but Kristen Vigard was the original Annie and Andrew McCarter replaced her at Goodspeed. Right. Then we have your story. Oh my and then, God, I'm the replacement. I mean, not the replacement. It's like the girl pops up to shine. And then Joanna Pasidi in that revival, which okay. was after Annie Warbucks, right? And oh, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you're playing Duffy in the national tour of Annie Warbucks, this new musical that's aiming to come to Broadway. So what happened? How do we go from Duffy to stopping the show playing Annie? Well, so the funny thing is I get cast as Duffy because they found this other girl who was like smaller than me and they made her Molly, but she could never remember her lines. And so throughout the tour, I just like constantly got more and more lines. <laughs> <laughs> and also it was an ever changing show. So, you know, you'd be in one city and in the next city, we'd be performing a new song. We'd, we'd learn a dance in two nights and perform something new. And I just was able to adapt and memorize. And I think I sort of showed myself as a, a leader, know, yeah, very professional as a nine-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and so ultimately by the end of that tour, I, um, I actually had done this funny thing where I rewrote the words to one of the songs and there's a song in Annie Warbucks. It's called changes. And I thought it would be funny to rewrite the words to be about how many changes happened in the tour. Mm-hmm. Like one day you would get your changes on different colored pieces of paper. So in the song, it was like one day pink page next day, blue or white. And it was all about like not knowing what song you were going to sing in the next town. And at the end of the tour, one of the adult actors told the creators like, you know, Catherine's rewritten the, 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 the words to one of your songs. And so I got pulled out on stage <laughs> by myself for Martin, Tom and Charles, who all come to LA for the end of the tour. And Martin like jokingly was like, I heard you changed my lyrics. And I mean, I'm like terrified, just, you know, so nervous. Anyways, they, they pulled up a, one of the pianists and they were like, all right, you have to perform it for us. <laughs> no, this is not your song because you are playing Duffy. You don't normally sing changes. Exactly. It's not my song, but like I got up there and I performed it with my lyrics. And they were and like. I honestly feel like in that moment, it set the stage where they were like, this girl's young, but she's our next Annie. Now. Were there plans after that LA tour ended? Were you supposed to come into New York right away? Was there a break and that's when things the shuffle happened? Yeah, there was a break. Um, Lauren was already pretty tall. Mm-hmm. I think she was already like five feet or something. And so ultimately there was a break. They lost backing for the Broadway. Like it was supposed to be on Broadway. Was her dad the backer that pulled out? Oh my God, I don't like, know. That's the story that I had heard when I was a teenager, yes. Um, but oh, we don't, <laughs> it's possible. Wow, it's totally possible. Yes. So yeah, I mean, it was going to so be- So you lost the backer and you, you were not going to come to Broadway. It was going to be off Broadway and then they sort of were revisiting casting. And I mean, I flew into New York a couple of times during that period. I was back in Oklahoma 
I remember one time they called and they were like, we'd really love Catherine to come in. And I was like, no, we're dissecting a frog. I'm not coming. I'm not missing this. <laughs> and so they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I was still pretty like grounded and a kid. Um, but yeah, ended up going and I kind of had to do auditions again, but I would always be the last person standing. And then I, I knew everybody at that point. And so I had really no idea what was happening in the beginning. And then ultimately it was that they were making sure that I was like the strongest person against everybody else to be able to carry the role. So then you guys came back together in New York to start rehearsing for it. So what, what happened when you found out you were Annie now? It's like, I we're mean, back and you're Annie. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember uh, Martin called me, Martin Charnin called me. Um, I was in Oklahoma at my house. And I mean, I was just, I was shocked because I didn't know that that's what all the hubbub was about. Like, I just didn't, I just figured they were going to make me a different orphan or maybe I was sort of a pro at that point. So they needed me there for the auditions to like, <laughs> help other kids. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I was, I was really shocked and, you know, it was a lot of pressure, but I was young enough and naive enough at the time that it didn't really. It was like washed over. Yeah. yeah. So how, I'm sure you were so excited. I mean, what a, what a dream to be playing Annie period and now getting to do it with the creators, this new production. When you guys were on tour, did you feel like, oh, this is a hit, like people are loving this? Or were you in your head about any of that? You know, I wasn't because I didn't even know what show business was. I was still in this, to me, theater was just this new family, this new, fun, amazing experience where you performed for an audience. And I didn't really even think of things working or not working like for the audience, it was more like, you know, does the director and music director and, you know, do they, are they happy with what we're doing? That mattered to me, that sort of immediate world. So I wasn't really bothered. In your head about the show. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, obviously by the time I got to New York and I was playing Annie, it was a totally different story. Well, tell me about that story. I mean, that was like <sighs> intense. Did I mean, you feel me, pressure? Oh yeah. yeah. And being like nine and in, in previews and being the lead um, in note sessions and stuff. It was, it was a lot. And how did you mostly deal with that? I, you know, the character of Annie was really influential to me. I, I, rem I was a sensitive child, but I, I was tough. I mean, I sort of like took on the character traits mm -hmm. of the role in order to be able to handle a lot of the stuff that was thrown at me. I know that sounds, that probably sounds cliche, but when you're like a little kid and you don't really know how to deal with stuff, I, I honestly looked to the character and like the role that I was playing to manage what the real world was also throwing at me. So talk to me about the rehearsal process. So you move to New York now with your mom or your dad, who goes with you? My mom, my, my parents were actually just divorced. Um, so it was just my mom and also my grandmother came for a very long time to, to help. And she was also on tour with, with me. Um, and my sister also was a performer, as I mentioned, that's why I got it. I was even mm -hmm. singing in the first place. Um, and she was also cast in the New York production. So she hadn't auditioned for the tour we, I mean, it's like my mom's biggest regret, <laughs> but she ended up coming in and auditioning for the New York production and she played Tessie in awesome. New York production. So we moved as a family and, you know, we moved in the summertime. So that's when rehearsals were happening. And then once fall started, we, we both went to the professional children's school to kind of. Was it. Awkward doing that with your sister when you are the star of the show? Not really. We, we have a big difference. We're four years apart. So I feel like there, you know, it wasn't. She it, wasn't your cover or anything like that. <laughs> no, it didn't feel weird. It didn't feel weird, weird at all. Um, she was doing her thing and just so excited to be part of the show. 
And the orphans like, and Annie don't intersect as much in Annie Warbucks. They really don't, which was hard on me. Yeah, I'm sure that is a difficult thing <laughs> to yeah. not have those girls to hang out with all the time. And totally. Yeah. Um, that's so funny that you would think about that. But yeah, that was really that was hard. I, I think I it's like a problem of the show. Like I think there needs to be a way that she's with them more instead of like visiting in her nice coat, like all these poor kids. Hi, who all get adopted at the end of the first one. Anyway, that's I know. I actually love Annie Warbucks and I'm happy to break it down. It's like <laughs> such a delight, but like we've ignored some major things that have happened. Absolutely. I mean, I love the I love the music. The me. score is gorgeous. So talk to me about that. So they're giving you some new songs. You're obviously you're putting your own stamp on it. What are the things that really step out to you as like, oh God, I loved singing this song or this was the the moment that I loved doing every night? I mean, I think, gosh, that's that's the thing about Annie Warbucks versus Annie is there's so many kind of like emotional power ballads that happen. And I, I mean, being like this shy, very introverted kid who was placed on a stage, these were like moments where... <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like internalize. They're like on my own 10 times like absolutely. a show. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, those songs like changes and um oh gosh, I mean the don't know where I'm heading, don't know what I'll find. It's just like so dramatic. And I can remember some nights I was able to conjure tears. Like it was intense. <laughs> it was so good. Okay. So you are obviously this very star kid. Your voice is sensational. This is what I do for a living. I work with Broadway kids and nobody sings like you sang when you were oh nine God. and 10. It's, it's true. Um, it's so incredible. Everyone take a listen to the cast recording. I'll probably stuff some cast recording into this episode right now. Who says I'm alone? Ain't got much better. We're back from listening to the cast recording. Um, all right. Talk to me about the things that are happening. You do, obviously you do the parade. You are doing the show eight times a week. You're doing Joan London, Good Morning America. Talk to me about the schedule of being the star and doing press of a new off-Broadway musical that's hoping to sort of get enough notoriety to move to Broadway. Sure. Yeah, it was wild. I mean... Joan Rivers, that, that one I'll never forget. <laughs> she basically flirted with Bill Berloni the entire interview, which was kind of hysterical. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Good Morning America was doing all the all the different, um, the circuit, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I was so, I was so young and like, I don't know, malleable. Is that, is that a, yeah. it was kind of, Whatever. I mean, you're, you're an artist. Or you... today. I'll go to bed at midnight and we'll get up at four and I'll go do this and then I'll sleep after. And it wasn't like, I wasn't in my head about stuff. So it was easier to kind of get through those times than I think it would be if I had been an adult, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did your mom, how did she advocate for you? Or do you remember any of that where she was like, she can't keep doing this or this is too much for her? Was there ever a moment like that that came up? That did come up. Around Christmas time, we did like eleven shows without a break, <laughs> and, and we, the were flown, we were flown to the White House in the midst of it oh to God. do a Christmas show for the Clintons and like a room full of children. Um, that was that was the time where I became exhausted, and I, my voice was tired. And they, unfortunately, like when you're the lead, people don't they like want a refund for their tickets if yeah. you're not playing the part. So there was a lot of pressure. There were, there were a couple nights where I like came to the theater, but I wasn't well. And I can remember like sitting in the seats with the stage manager, Jeff Markowitz, who I love and I'm still close with. Um, and Jeff just being like, listen, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to, you know, like mm -hmm. it was such a family that in, in reality, my mom didn't even really have to advocate for me because the actors did and, and the people working on the show did. They were all looking out for me and for all the kids. And it was it was a really wonderful environment. We just had a great team. 
everybody who was working on that show, it was really special. How hard is it to call out when you are a kid and you know it's your role and you don't want to give, it's not that you don't want to give another kid the shot, but like sure. you don't, you don't, how hard is it to make that call for yourself when I think you're it nine? Really hard. It got to the point where I eventually like was having trouble um, because I was sick and I was like trying to push through to do the show. And uh, I had to like go to a doctor and stuff like that. It got to that kind of point where they wanted to just check, check me out. And I also had asthma and we were in like a moldy theater. Oh so my God. The moldiest, the variety arts theater. It was moldiest. Um, yeah. um, so I would like come off stage and like have to use my inhaler and just to like get through a show. And that, that was kind of, I, that was a point and at which I think, you know, my mom was like, okay, we need to, <laughs> we need to like make sure that Catherine's being taken care of and we're looking out for her. So I did miss some, some shows. I really did. Who was your understudy? Um, Missy Goldberg. Missy Goldberg. She, I don't think she stayed in the business. Um, yeah. but she God, was this God bless like her. tough, tough, rough around the edges kid. I mean, she actually sounded like a smoker. She was like, <laughs> hilarious and wonderful. And she was on the tour as well. So I had known her for now, a year, I guess. You had a big spotlight on you. Not only were you playing Annie, but you, Ben Brantley gave you like one of the best reviews that has ever been written for a child actor, which I'm just going to read to you right now. Oh so is that weird? Catherine Zaremba can deliver a punchline and tug a heartstring with the best of them. Her face is that of the littlest angel, her resilience that of a dead-end kid. And if no one else in the cast of Annie Warbucks lifted a finger, Miss Zaremba could still carry the show over the finish line on her tiny little shoulders of steel. Oh, my God. Like, that is unbelievable. That is not – kids don't get reviews like that especially from Ben Brantley, especially the New York Times. Were you aware of any of that? Or you do your parents keep that away from you? No, I was aware. Because I remember after opening night, it was like this exciting getting the papers. Like, what were people going to say? You know, I remember that very, very clearly. And of course, they didn't read me anything that was bad if there was anything. So... But with a review like that, it feels like next up, Broadway. We're going to Broadway. So I'm sure there was a lot of buzz about that. And there then was. that did not happen. So talk to talk me through that. It didn't happen. And my understanding was it was because that year in 1994, there was like this hideous snowstorm that hit New York. And it hit every show. I mean, people weren't selling tickets. And because the, the streets had like mountains of snow on them. It was, it was crazy. Um, so my understanding was always that like, once that happened, it, it basically slowed the momentum. It slowed the momentum of our show. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it slowed the momentum of a lot of shows that were um, even on Broadway at the time. And that kind of that just basically killed us. We and I think they even secured investment to move to Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the cut, the Tony cutoff got in the way as well. Mm -hmm. So by the time you could transfer, you would have been in the next season of Tony's, right. which would not have worked for anyone. Right. So it just seemed like a, uh, it's so sad because I think a show would have done really well for you, but also it would have been such a great family opportunity for people to, you know, take their whole family to see Annie on Broadway and it'd be a new story. Sure. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it was a wonderful show and I love the music and it has this amazing life now as a touring show and mm -hmm. a show that gets performed in other cities. And I've had the luxury of being contacted by some moms who are like, had my daughters playing <laughs> Annie and Annie Warbucks and she listens it's, to the album. And, it's so great. Have you um, seen a production of it ever? Um, I haven't. Oh, well, we need it. We need to make that happen in the, in the coming pre post COVID world. Well, I honestly don't think I've even seen Annie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, it, kind of maybe it's okay. Self-preservation for a long yeah. time for me. Cause like when you're that connected to a show and even after Annie Warbucks, I did go on to play Annie in Annie in a couple of different places um, after the fact. And so both shows, you know, were very meaningful to me. So you got to make a beautiful cast recording of Annie Warbucks, which is like 
so well done because they really preserve the entire show. It's not just Mm -hmm. 10, you know, 15 songs. You get a sense of your story and you can hear your, you know, you can hear what, what is supposed to happen in the script and it's really well done. What, what do you remember about making the cast album? Oh, I remember a lot. I remember a lot. It was a really special time. I think, I think it felt like this moment where, because we didn't go to Broadway, it was like, but we're still, we're still taken so seriously. Like this is still an excellent show and we're putting it down in history. And we, I think the creators still treated the show as if it was on Broadway. Mm-hmm. You know, we did all the big things. We were in the Macy's Day Parade, and you know, even for an off-Broadway show, that's kind of never a, happens. Yeah, it's the. Also, I watched that last night, and you look so cold. Oh, I'm so cold. And I mean, it's still you're adorable. You're killing it. You have no wig, right? They dyed your hair. Oh yeah, they dyed my hair. Yeah, and um, you look so cold. I'm like I this was- poor girl. I know. The funny thing is, is I heard that night on Letterman, um, who was on the, uh, not Frasier, but who played- Kelsey Grammer? Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer was on Letterman that night. And I guess they showed a clip of me and were like making a joke because of how cold it was. And I'm like shaking <laughs> on Daddy Warbucks' shoulders. <laughs> what do you remember about working with Harv Presnell, who was Daddy Warbucks, and Donna McKechnie, who played a part in the role, and Arlene Phillips, right? It was an uh, amazing group of uh, adults. What it do you was, remember about working with them? Uh, I mean, Harv was like a family member to me by the end of it all, because he was also on the tour. Um, he, he was just an incredible person with an incredible presence. Um, and he gave you time. He, he gave you time and attention, even when, like, even if you were a kid. And he, he also was just this incredibly tall, lanky giant of a man. So that was also, I don't know, it was just a unique, (laughs) a unique thing about him. So my memories are so wrapped up in like sitting, sitting on his knee and being thrown in the air um, it was like he could do anything. He was just this magical giant with an incredible voice. And I'll never forget, maybe a year or so after the show was over, I saw the unsinkable Molly Brown, which he did with Debbie Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And I was I was just starstruck. I thought, oh my God, how do I how did I not know this? You know, this person who I love with my whole heart and feel so close to. It was just an amazing moment to be able to see him as a young man, just an incredible performer. I love that. So you do 200 performances off Broadway and then they're call it quits. What, what do you remember the day they were like, we're closing, this is over, we're not moving. Was there a final day for you? I, I honestly don't remember the day that they told us. I remember we did a big celebration on like 150, (laughs) I think, but I don't remember finding out that it closed because you know what? I was really tired. I was worn out and I, you know, hadn't had any breaks and. And you were, you were it, you did all eight or all seven or whatever. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something that they don't do now. Never heard of, Um, never heard of again after that. Yeah. I mean, I was nine and turned 10 during the show and I did every single show. Wow. Um, so I think in a way, like I was obviously, I didn't quite connect that I wasn't going to be with my family again, like meaning the cast, Mm -hmm. but I was ready for a break. So it was sort of bittersweet. Um, I do remember, uh, Molly Scott who played, um, Ella Patterson. I think that was the, Love might sometimes make you cry. <laughs> I sing that to my daughter sometimes. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember she she had a, a very intimate kind of cast party at her apartment after maybe a couple weeks after the show had closed, and that was the moment where it hit me. Ugh. I remember going to that party and feeling like, oh my god, I we were gonna be leaving to go to LA and I thought, when will I ever see these people again? And it just, that was, that was tough. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this brings up to LA. So is this the natural progression? Is your mom like, we're not going back to Oklahoma. We're going to go to Los Angeles. No, I had, by this time I had an agent. Mm -hmm. um, And I I hope so. (laughs) And so really it was the agency. They were like, all right, show's closed. It's pilot season. We want you to go out to LA. And it like, if you want to keep doing this. So yeah, I think we went home to Oklahoma for a week or something. And then we went on to LA and I got a pilot within the first like two weeks. Was your sister auditioning as well? My sister was also auditioning. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and I also booked Ruthless within that first month. So Ruthless was at a, at a, a theater in Beverly Hills at the time. Uh, I had been in New York first Mm -hmm. and then it went to LA and the girl who was in the role was going to be leaving. So they were looking for a replacement. So yeah, I booked like full house, a pilot and ruthless. Oh my God. Exciting. Yeah. It was wild. I mean, it was also insane because I was filming this pilot and learning the part of ruthless. And I was put into the role in like two weeks time. It was nuts. Looking then, back, did you do Ruthless again as a concert with Bernadette Peters? That was like a gala. It was a special, a special edition. Marvin Laird, who is the yeah. was the music person for Ruthless, is Bernadette's music person. Um, and so, yeah, about a year later, we did a special version of the show with Bernadette, which was amazing. Oh my God, how um, cool! She's the most special, unique, incredible woman. What do you remember most about working with her on that? I remember I was in New York doing something. And so Marvin was there too. So we had our first rehearsal in New York at her apartment. Oh my God. And I mean, I'll never forget that. It's like going up the elevator and I was so nervous and Marvin's like, let's just jump in because Bernadette was learning the music and I obviously already knew everything. And I was so scared. I didn't want to sing louder than her. So I was like holding back. And Marvin like stopped playing. And he was like, Catherine, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I just, because my voice was so loud. Like I could project. I never needed a mic. I mean, Joan London calls you Ethel Merman, like in that interview. So I knew like. Obviously, Bernadette's voice yeah. is incredible, but mine was louder than hers. And so I just was scared. <laughs> I love it. Was she nice? She was so nice to you, right? So nice to me. And then we did we did the show in LA. And I remember shortly after that, we actually ran into her at the grocery store because we lived in the same neighborhood. And it was like we were old friends and I felt so special. <laughs> oh my God, he's the coolest kid. Talk to me about Full House because obviously that is that is really dynamic to be part of the most 90s, like perfect family sitcom that everyone's still obsessed with. Like my niece is like, watch that show. Like it's on regular television. Um, talk to me about doing Full House. Well, when I moved out to LA, my manager was literally like, what, what show do you want to see? Like go to a taping of. I was like, Full House. I want to go see a taping of Full House. And then a short time after that, he was like, well, I have something better than a taping, which is an audition. (laughs) And so I was a couple years older than the twins, but I was so small for my age that um, ultimately I lucked out and ended up getting cast as this sort of like snarky, you know, I I was always like this funny sort of side, I don't know, just like, the like a New York City kid. theater kid with like a cigarette exactly. in one hand and a <laughs> martini in the other. Yeah. Exactly. So that was the, I kind of got the girls in trouble and was always that sort of had some quip to say on the side. And then you performed Don't Go Breaking My Heart as like a musical number. So you get to sing on the show. Yes. That was really cool. Have I you was, watched that recently? 
No, no, not recently. But I mean, I've seen it, obviously. I mean, you should watch it again. It's so cute. You know what I saw recently? Tell. Totally blew my mind. Um, someone, oh, oh, Joan Ryan, who was the original mother in Ruthless, posted the full video of Ruthless the Musical that of, of me. The concert. Her. Yeah. No, not oh, the no. Concert. It's like Ooh. the original show. She posted it on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. And um, I guess she posted it on Facebook and my sister saw because I'm not I'm not like a Facebook person. But I I've never seen myself like I never even saw a video of Annie Warbucks. I, I've never seen myself like really performing as a child actor. And that was like shocking to me. You Getting, know, you were really good, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't believe how good I am. <laughs> Is that okay? No, it's so great to say because it's also, it's not what you're doing now. No. So, and, and also like, I feel like a, I'm a different person. I was just going to ask you that. Does it feel like someone else's else. childhood? Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, that girl has timing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing all these shows. You're also a series regular on the Jeff Foxworthy show. And mm -hmm. I remember seeing you there, like just not that I was like watching that show so religiously as a kid, but I remember flipping through the channels. I was like, I know that voice. That's Annie Warbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you did a couple seasons of that show, right? Mm -hmm. What yep. was that experience like working with him and on that? Yeah. I mean, it was, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, there are other kids on the show as well, which was always fun for me when there were, when I could be around other kids. <laughs> so. so you're working pretty consistently. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. seem to be stopping. Yeah. So I, I was very, very consistently. I just, um, yeah, at some point, by the time I hit 12, 13, um, I, I really had a hard time with the fact that I wasn't in normal school and I was like, I was tutored on sound stages and lots and my friends were all other actor kids and we just didn't have normal lives and I was honestly lonely um I had my mom and then if I was working I was really happy but you know you might go a month between a show or whatever um and I remember I went home to Oklahoma and I did I did a I think we did Annie Warbucks they like hired me to come do a summer production or something. And it was in that time that I was just, I was with all my friends that I grew up with who were also performers. And I just decided I wanted to stop. And how old are you at that point? 13. 13. And so is this uh, after you've done that toothless with Kirstie Alley? For it was honestly, I was deciding it while filming that. Did that, what was that experience uh, working out with her on that? Movie? Oh, it was so cool. It was so cool. But I was, I was going through a lot of changes at the time. I was like hitting puberty and I, and all the shows I did, I was honestly, I was always around younger kids mm -hmm. because I was small. So I was constantly cast as like younger than I actually was. And I was, I had a hard time with that because I, because when you're 12, you don't want to hang out with an eight year old. Right. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. And I wasn't in normal school, so I didn't get to be around kids my own age. Um, so, and I was also traveling a lot. Like I, I did um, a bunch of stuff in New York. I was doing kind of like benefit concerts. And so I was back and forth between New York and LA a lot. Um, and I loved performing, absolutely loved it. it. It had nothing to do with not wanting to perform. It just had to do with sort of probably like a mental health situation, you know, <laughs> like I needed to be around other kids and I needed to have a sense of normalcy. And it was important enough for me to be like, I want to take a pause and then we'll see. And maybe I'll come back to it after high school or something like that. And your parents were fine with that. Your mom was like, we can move back home. Definitely. Nobody made you feel like we've done all of this. You need to keep going. Not at all. And your agents were all understood and everybody got it. I mean, I mean who you knows? don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really care what the agents thought. <laughs> no, it's, I imagine it's really scary when you have a career and you're working constantly, you know, not that, you know, you're, you are, people are making their living off your work sometimes. Sure. And so it does feel like there's a level of, I have to keep doing this. And I know a lot of theater kids never feel that feeling 
they right. they know it in their head like i need to take a minute or i need a yeah. little pause but they don't know how to vocalize it so i think it's really impressive that you were like i need a 5 <laughs> yeah i mean i i wasn't as outward about it it was one of those like going to my sister and being like, I think I want to come home, but I'm, I, I'm scared to tell mom. And my sister being like, mom's not going to care. She wants like, sh if, she, if you don't want to do this anymore, she's always said like, we don't need to do this. <laughs> um, Cause I was, I guess I was nervous about what everybody would think, but ultimately my mom was like, if you're sure, then absolutely we'll go home and it's no big deal. So, so yeah, that's kind of how I made my, so do you go back to regular high school? I went back to regular high school. Talk to me about that oh, transition. It was awful. Yeah, it's horrible. You're like, what did awful. I do? Yeah. Essentially. Essentially, I spent the next four years like, what did I do? <laughs> did you think and about trying to like reverse it and be like, let's, or did you, where were you at mentally? I had, I had moments. Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially when I saw my peers doing things. You know, I'd watch TV and, um, you know, Christina Milian was on the tour with, in Annie Warbucks and we were really good friends and, you know, she was like becoming a pop star in that time frame. <laughs> and, you know, I just remember I would see, I would see people from the show in commercials from Annie Warbucks, um, or just, you know, people that I yeah. knew. I would watch them on television from Oklahoma and just think, wow, I mean, if I hadn't left, I could be part of this. Um, but ultimately, being home was more important to me. Did so. you do your high school musicals? I I didn't at first. I didn't. But the drama teacher, she she was my first director. When I did community theater, it was with the high school. So you know, I I was very close with her and her kids, and um, so ultimately my arm got twisted and I did do the last couple of years. And what, what, what shows were they? It was really fun. Um, I was in anything goes. And, and you I'm, were Reno. I did that one. So I played, um, Oh my God. Hope. I'm like blanking on the, you're either hope or Reno. I was, um, hope, right. Yeah. She was like the, the ingenue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing like all the tap dancing and stuff. And then my senior year, we did Princess and the Pea, and I was the princess. No, Once Upon a Mattress. And you were Winifred. Oh, I bet you were so good in that. Where's that video? Let's get that up on YouTube. I think that video is probably around. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll call your mom, and we'll get that. We'll get that <laughs> circulating. Um, how were you thinking about going to school for theater or for acting? How did you make your decision to kind of go to college and pursue art? How did that come to you? Um, I was thinking about it. And funnily enough, I did. My first semester of college was at Marymount Manhattan in the acting program. Okay. And I just like couldn't handle it. Well, it's hard when you've done it. When you're yeah. like, when you are a kid who worked and you have relationships and you have proven yourself, it's very hard to sit in a classroom with kids who think that they're doing that. And they don't know anything about like, it. it. It was like being a person with experience versus someone who doesn't know what they're getting into. And so there was, I just wasn't naive. I was, I was 18 and I knew how hard it was. And I was nervous. I was scared. I thought I've been through the rejection and I've all, I've been on both sides of it. Like not getting parts and being sort of, I mean, Annie was like the epitome of what you want to do when you're a Again. little girl, child actress. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think I just, I was too scared. <laughs> so you made the decision to sort of leave Marymount behind and go to art school. Yeah. I immediately, I, I dropped out after one semester and I, do you know that the Antonoffs, Rachel and Jack Antonoff? I don't. Okay, Jack Antonoff is like a big time music producer okay. now. And um, Rachel is a fashion designer, but they both went to PCS and they were like, Rachel was an obsessive theater kid. So <laughs> she got involved with some of these like Broadway kid benefits that I was doing growing up. Well, because you were a Broadway kid too. Yes. Which is like the super weirdest thing from the 90s. And if you don't know what the Broadway kids are, stop everything and Google it. It was just like every kid from like, 
that was in Will Rogers Follies and um, would get together and make recordings, right? And then you'd perform at events. Yeah. Yes. I'm obsessed with the Broadway kids. Yeah. Go ahead. I became friends with Rachel Antonoff during this time. And I, so when I moved to New York, I moved in with her and her brother. And that kind of, I like dropped out of Marymount and then was sort of in this other realm where we, you know, he was a musician and she was into fashion. And so I started doing internships. I interned at Interview Magazine and with a fashion designer named Rebecca Taylor. And that was just the time frame where I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm an artist. I don't know how that's going to manifest in my adult life. I, I feel lucky that I've had a career already. <laughs> and now I'm excited about what this next career could be. I don't know. And so that's when I I made the decision that art school was going to be next for me. And and then it was. Well, it's really interesting in that um, Good Morning America interview, Joan London says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say an artist. I know. And now you're an artist. Like you have done the, you have, it's really special. So to explain to the people, the people, um, kind of what your company does and all the incredible different things. I have been like obsessing over your website for the last week. Your work is gorgeous. You make wallpaper and art. Just talk about it. Give me the 411. Yeah. So I, I went to art school and I kind of focused in on, um, textile design and, and also like installation art, just because you're in art school and you can do that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so after art school, I ended up working for Jonathan Adler in New York. Um, so New York is still very much like a home, a home for me. I, I just constantly went back to New York, um, Mm -hmm. throughout my life. And yeah, working for Jonathan kind of I, was a big moment for me. He's a housewares designer, started out as a ceramicist. I also do ceramics. Um, and working for him, I just, I was so excited and inspired about the idea that I could kind of create a world of my art. And I think I also am very influenced by the fact that I grew up on sets and sound stages and I was always obsessed with kind of how, you know, the designers would put together a set and where things came from and props and all that stuff. And so I think objects and making objects and making things for environments was always going to be in my future just because of growing up in theater. So yeah, working for Jonathan was a big influence on me. And ultimately, I went to grad school. And after that, I started my business, which is primarily wallpaper design. Mm-hmm. I design wallpaper and I sell wallpaper. Um, and then I also just I make other art, art, art as well. But wallpaper is my main trade. I love it. So everyone needs to check out your website and we'll give them all that information. But yeah, it's I really- look at it as I'm making backdrops for people's lives. Oh my God. I love, put that, is that all over your website? It's not. That's like a good pull quote. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I put that on there. But I mean, I do truly believe that, you know, my interest in wallpaper absolutely stems from growing up on stage. And, you know, you can- transform your space to be the world that you want it to be in your home. And I actually think it's really important that you do that. Um, I think it's good for your, your well-being to be living in a space that makes you feel good. And so. you're a mom now. I am. How's that going? It's so weird. Cause you're like a kid to me. Um, <laughs> I'm not a kid. I know. <laughs> So you're a mom now. How does the how does this background influence how you think you'll raise, you know, your child? That's such a funny question. I don't think I've really thought about it. Um, I mean, I have. I guess there are points in my life where I thought if I ever have kids, you know, would I let them be in the business kind of thing? Um, and I mean, I definitely would. I just, but knowing what I know, I would make sure, you know, I'm looking out for them in certain ways and and so on. But I, my little girl's name is Zoe and she's just this little bright light who I can absolutely see becoming a performer. (laughs) My (laughs) husband is a a musician and works in music. So it's sort of inevitable that she's going to be, you know, she's going to be exposed to the arts, whether she likes it or not. So we'll see. I'm sure she'll love it. We won't force her into anything. (laughs) 
What would it take to get you to perform again in a in a musical? If someone were to offer you something, you know, is it's that? Funny you say this because last night I had this dream. I have actors' nightmares probably twice a year, maybe once a year, um, <laughs> where I'm like, go out on stage, and I have no idea what the show is or what I'm supposed to say. Um, but you know, I I do really miss performing. I really do. It's I I think I I've known for a long time that it wasn't really like the life that I wanted as an adult. Um, I feel very happy with what I do, mostly because I'm I'm sort of still I'm still that introverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you've chosen to do is so creative. It's not like you are sure. you know processing tax returns. Oh no no <laughs> no I couldn't do that. <laughs> we don't want but, you to do that. But I get to sort of sit with myself and create, and then I get to share it with the world. And I love that and, and hearing what people think. And I, it's so amazing that people get to live with my work or they put it up in their baby's room or, you know, my drawings are there to inspire other people. I, I love that. And I love what I do, but I certainly miss just the act of performing, you know, less, less of what other people are getting from it and more of what I got from being on stage and working with other people in that way. And the thing that's so amazing about the theater community is how small and close knit it is. And I still have friends who are performers and, you know, I still follow along with everything and watch the Tonys and, um, you know, New York is just a special place for me and the theater, the theater world there is still very special to me. Do people who um, purchase your art, are they ever messaging you? Like, I knew you when you were, when I was a kid and I used to watch you in Full House or I don't know. Yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely got a little bit of that. (laughs) It's so great. It's like just the coolest thing. And you're so lovely and so smart and you turned out really awesome. I mean, because it's such, it's like such a head game to have that level of stardom when you're a kid. And we say, I say all the time, you know, you can't be a child dentist or a child lawyer or a child garbage man. You can only be a child actor. It's the only job (laughs) that exists for children. And it's a weird thing to have a job when you're nine and 10. And uh, it can really, if you're not balanced enough or if the space isn't created for enough to take care of you, it could really come out in wild ways. So it seems like you've really understood what that experience was and how it's affecting you now and all of that. Yeah, You know, I think going to art school was a big part of that. I mean, when you go to art school and you're, when you're there, you know, the teachers are like, why are you here? What are you doing? I mean, it's hard. It's a harsh like art school is a hard world and it's sort of like, who cares what you're making? Why should they care? Where is it coming from? And that was a chance for me to, as a, you know, 20, I think I went to, to art school when I was 21, but like to reflect, which in a way that I never had before, which was like, whoa, I've had this crazy life already. <laughs> Why am I here? What am I like? What do I want to say? What do I want to make? What do I want to share with the world? And how is my past life influencing who I am today? And it, it kind of told me that no matter what I do, my life as a child actress is going to be part of my life in one way or another. And it's going to inform everything that I do and all the decisions that I make in, in some small way. I love it. Well, we have to do Obsessed and the Broadway Workshop Quickfire Questions. You are such a delight. Tell us what you're obsessed with right now. What can we, what should we watch, listen to? Okay, I just finished uh, binging Instant Hotel, which I love. On Netflix, everyone watch it. Which turns out that it's the second season of the show. Did you know that? I think there's three seasons, right? I think there's There's two. I think it's two. But they're not really publicizing the first because the first, it's different hosts and it's actually crap. But starting the second season. It's an Australian Airbnb show where people go <laughs> stay in each other's Airbnb and like rate it. And they all have to spend the night together. It's it's great television. Um, we, we need an American version of Instant Hotel. I don't know if I would like the American version. Well, I do love a good like Aussie accent. So yeah, it's you're right. Just keep it to what it is. But I don't think they're making more of them. She makes me very sad. My friend works at Netflix. I already asked about it. Um, I also have a Netflix obsession this week, and it's Broadchurch, which I know I'm a little late. Did you watch it? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So I just finished all three seasons and it is Matt. Olivia Coleman is magic. It is so good. And I love, we all know if you listen to this podcast, I love a British drama. So um, my husband is British. So we watched it when it first came out. It's like four years ago. Yeah. Because we have like, we hack into the BBC. Maybe we'll take that out, but no, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but everyone watch Broadchurch. Um, You can get your own. There's a Brit box app now. So you can get oh. all those British shows, but they're on Netflix anyway. Yeah, um, they all come late to Netflix. All right. Are you ready for the Broadway Workshop quick fire questions? Just go with the first thought you have and okay. uh, we'll have fun. First audition song. Oh, Food Glorious Food. Favorite holiday. <sighs> Christmas. That's, you can say that. First Broadway show you saw. Oh. Will Rogers Follies. Oh my God, that came up twice in one episode. Will, and you know what? No. Can I, can I not say anything? No, you can. Oh, okay. Yeah, tell me. At the show, at the end of the show, um, Patrick Swayze showed up with roses in the back of the theater, walked them up because his wife was playing. Zigfield's favorite. Yes. Yes. And it was their wedding anniversary. <laughs> and I was like sobbing because I was obsessed with Patrick Swayze, who, who wasn't. It was, it was like the biggest moment of my life. Oh my God. I love that story. Did you have braces? No. One thing about working on the set of Full House. Bob Saget is a dirty man. Yes. <laughs> How are those Olsen twins? Insane, right? You know what? I was good friends with them. All right. Well, then- I've like stayed with them at their house. Oh my God. That's a great story. Um, favorite song to sing now? <gasps> oh. Um, oh. I have sort of like a, a group of songs I go through, but um, oh, wow. Uh, I'm also terrible at remembering the names of songs, but I could like sing them to you. What's that song? Like alone again, I'm blue. He's left me alone again. What? That's also from Will Rogers Follies. Oh shit. Amazing. (laughs) It's called no man left for me. No man left for me. I sing that a lot. Will Rogers Follies. This episode is sponsored by the Will Rogers Follies. Um, You know, that whole show is on YouTube. They taped it for Japanese television. So if you ever want to go back and watch the full Will Rogers Folly is it on you? It's on Honestly, YouTube. I had no idea I was such a fan until this. <laughs> this I didn't. I mean, I didn't know I knew that much about it. If you had a yacht, what would you call it? Uh, Big Ruthie. What would your superhero power be? Oh, reading people's minds. Tell us one thing about working with Bernadette Peters. Oh. Um. She, she was just, she was the most sweet, kind, like thoughtful woman to work with. You, you could tell she was like thinking about, she was thinking about me and how I was in a moment. You know what I mean? Love it. She was very, very, very sweet. What do you want on your bagel? Oh, tons of cream cheese. <laughs> Did you have a pre-show ritual? Um... Yes, we had lots of like little, you know, little dances you did with so-and-so and, and, you know, (laughs) just different little Strangest fan interaction. Oh. Huh. I've had a lot of weird ones, but you know what? Most of them occur on the internet. Ooh. Does that count? I mean, yeah. Do you have a good story? No, they're, they're, it's mostly just creepy things where I'm sort of like, why why do you even know who I am? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to think I was a creep when I DM'd you and asked you to do this, but I'm glad you no. I'm glad you said yes, because this is like so fun. Okay, let's keep going. Um, go-to album for a car trip. Oh, um, it's not a musical. Is that That's okay? fine, yeah. Beyonce, Lemonade. Love it. Current favorite wallpaper you're selling on your site? Oh. Let me think. I just, I have some new ones. Um, probably the, the checker me out. I, I like to come up with funny names. I love it. Or oh. like 
Tulip Shakur is. <laughs> I think that might be the title of this episode. Um, okay, one show, movie, or TV show that you'll never get over not getting. What do you mean? Like something you auditioned for that you didn't get. Oh, oh, I was like, like you didn't understand it. Um, oh, Interview with the Vampire. You're like, I booked everything. Um, Interview with the Whoa. Vampire. All right. That's a good one. I mean, I was like, I was so young and they wanted me to audition. And honestly, it wasn't that I didn't book it. It's that my mom wouldn't let me. Oh. She was like, you are not going to be carried naked by. Got it. it. Did you book it? <laughs> no, I oh, okay. didn't. All right. Um, have you ever seen Annie Royal, Annie's Royal Adventure with Joan Collins? It's a straight to DVD or video, uh, Annie sequel. Was it filmed in Europe? Yes. I was, they wanted me to be in it. <laughs> it's and the I, from Growing Pains, did it? I know. Yeah. I knew her, Ashley Johnson. Yeah. We were friends. And my, I remember my agent like contacted me and was like, they want you to be in the show. And I was just not interested. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Um, I'm not sure what movie. What? Yeah, I'm really glad I didn't do that. <laughs> what role should Patti LuPone play in Annie Warbucks? <gasps> oh, I mean, obviously Commissioner Doyle. I mean, she that that would be great. Let's make that happen. If you can have dinner with one person, who would it be? Oh, oh God, I'm really bad at quick fire. You're doing right? great. Um, can you make it seem like I'm answering things faster in edits? I can do that. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. If I wanted to have, okay, dinner with someone. I'm going to ask you the question again. Gloria Steinem. Wait, say it again. Who? Gloria Steinem. See, that's a great answer. Um, if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Is it silly to say Matilda? No, that's great. You can watch that. My, friend, my very good friend Ben Thompson was in that show and- like it just never worked out for me to get to come and see it. But I also was like, Oh my God, this is like Annie, but it's like a, you know, modern day Annie. With now, the yes. girl the lead. And I also loved the book and I would have loved to see that. Um, can you name two real housewives? No, sadly. Right? No. Have you ever left a show at intermission? Yes, I have. You want to tell us what it was? Um, it was, was it, wait, what's that um, Boz Lerman show that he oh, did on Broadway? the Lab OM that yeah. he did? It was very pretty. It was, but I, I don't know. I, it just was like. Not for you. wasn't connecting and left it in remission. What movie can you watch over and over? Oh, you've got mail. I'm such a dork. How often were you confused with Karen Ziemba? Oh, all the time. All the time. And one thing people don't know about being a performing kid or a professional kid. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's one of the coolest experiences that you can have in life. And it's very rare. So if you are a performing kid, I think stay present. Try not to look to the future too much and enjoy the fact that you get to do this. Oh, that is like the best advice ever. What a good way to end the podcast. Catherine, tell everyone where they can follow you and find out what you're up to. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Catherine Zaremba. Um, and then you can see my work on my website, which is katezarembacompany.com. Excellent. Um, thank you so much for being here and doing this with me today. It was so fun to meet you and uh, get to hear your story. You are uh, such a delight and you're the most fabulous kid and you've turned into the most fabulous adult and you're going to be the best mom. And I'm so uh, thrilled you're here and sharing your art with the world. You're really like such a dream. Thank you so much. Thanks for asking me to do this. Oh. I was really thrilled to hear from you and that you were even interested. Oh, yes, <laughs> obviously. Friends, if you uh, are enjoying the Little Me podcast, follow us at Little Me Podcast on Instagram and follow me at Mark Tuminelli. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Catherine, thank you again uh, and have like a great year and we hopefully our paths will cross again. Yes, thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. 
For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.